Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Vetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogey. All right, well, another episode here of the Rising Champions podcast. I'm Kyle Bogey. We got Dr. Jason Nevetsky of the Champion Mindset Group as well. And uh, Doc, I'm excited about this one. This is uh, going to be a great interview. We had a chance to talk extensively uh, with the 2014 Rose Bowl uh, defensive MVP, Kyler Ellsworth, uh, a name that obviously means a lot to a lot of Michigan State fans out there. But, but more importantly, you know, for our purposes, and I'm sure, you know, this is something you can kind of touch on here, just an incredible story of, of sticking through an entire career, not getting a start, not, not being there, uh, you know, playing a, a huge role, you know, as a big time linebacker at the college level, but being a teammate, staying engaged. And then when he got his opportunity in that Rose Bowl, he took full advantage of it. And obviously there's a lot of factors, but mentally for him to stay in it and be able to do that is, is just huge. Yeah. I mean, his is a story of perseverance, sustained motivation, the proper use of goal setting uh, and keeping things in perspective as well. And you'll talk, you'll hear him talk about how it was bigger than himself and, and that's what he wanted it to be. So this is a treat for me because Kyler's not a client. First time we're not having <laughs> one of my clients on. I'm pretty excited about that. Just kind of hear things from another point of view and experiences that he's had and, and the lessons that he can teach all of the young athletes that hopefully tune into this podcast that are rising champions. Yeah, I think that that's one of the bigger takeaways is, you know, you, you said it in the interview, patience. And a lot of young athletes don't necessarily have that and don't understand trusting the process, dealing with it, you know, dealing with some adversity, fighting through. And you know what? It, it can be very rewarding uh, after that. So um, I don't think we need to say anything else. Let's, let's jump right in here. The 2014 uh, Rose Bowl defensive MVP, Kyler Ellsworth, with us here on the Rising Champions podcast. All right. Well, this is exciting. Uh, we have a, a great interview this evening on the Rising Champions podcast. I uh, want to welcome in the uh, 2014 Rose Bowl MVP, uh, it, the man who made one big time play to beat Stanford. And uh, we have been talking about it ever since. And we can't wait to, uh, to dive back into it. Kyler Ellsworth uh, with us tonight. What's going on, Kyler? Not much. Thanks for having me. Uh, just, uh, you know, like you said, reliving the, the, the one play and uh, I'll do it as I'll do it as long as you guys will have me do it. Fantastic. We, we want to hear the, uh, the, the candid story one more time. But um, I, I guess to, to kind of go back, you weren't supposed to be the one that was making that play. You know, that that was supposed to be Max Bull. That was supposed to be, you know, we, we all know about the Bull family and everything that they have been through within the Michigan State program. But you ended up finding out not too long, you know, beforehand that, that you were going to be getting the nod, that, that Max wasn't going to be in there. So I guess if you could, how did that play out? How did you find out? And then I guess what was the process of getting prepared to take over those duties for that game? Yeah, so we left, uh, I think, Christmas morning. Uh, so we got to be with our families in the morning. Uh, everyone left, and we ended up getting on the plane in Lansing um, and left that morning. And it was about – times they started closing the uh, the doors to the plane that two seats over uh, Max wasn't there and I started you know kind of getting like a red flag like hey something's going on but I don't know maybe it's me being naive I was like you know what it's Max Bulla maybe he had to go down early to do some media stuff um, I, I really I really didn't think he wasn't gonna be there um, so I asked his brother Riley I'm like dude where's your brother at 
He's like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. And I was like, what? What do you mean you're not sure? You guys didn't even, you didn't ride here together? Like what? I'm so confused. Um, so I kind of like texted him, called him, didn't hear anything. We take off, don't think too much of it. Um, go up to my room uh, and finally turn my phone back on off airplane mode. And I have a missed call from Max. And so I call him back. We're about to go down for a team meeting. And I'm like, hey man, where are you at? And he broke the news to me and said, you know, unfortunately I'm not gonna be there. Um, Coach Antonio is gonna address it in the team meeting. You know, I don't really wanna talk about it too much, but just know that, you know, you're ready for this, you prepared for this and that, um, you know, I'm standing behind you and, you know, I, I know you can do it. So we went down for our team meeting. I hadn't told anyone yet. Um, you know, I, it really wasn't my business to tell anyone. And D'Antonio announced it, you know, probably at, I don't know what, five o'clock, whenever our plane landed. Um, no, it was, it was like late. He announced it like late to us, like when, when we got there. And I remember going back up to my room and there was a time change from being in California. And I called my dad and it was like one in the morning or something. I don't even remember what time it was. It was like, you're never going to believe this, but Max is not coming to the game. It's going to be myself and Darian Harris filling in for him. And we're going to make the decision on who's going to get the nod to start um, the, the day before the game. So found out that, you know, Christmas day. Um, but like, like you said, the preparation completely shifts. Um, you know, I went down there thinking I'm going to be doing special teams that I've been doing all year. And then I'm going to be in situational defensive packages, which I felt, great about, you know, I, there's, there's only so many defensive packages that I'm in on and I've been playing special teams for four years now. Um, but as soon as I got that, it was like a complete 180 of your mindset is this, this is not a vacation anymore. Um, if we don't win this game, <laughs> you're going to be the dude that filled in for Max Bull and, and the reason we lost the Rose Bowl. And so I wasn't going to let my, my preparation be the reason we lost. It could be my poor performance, but I at least wanted it to, you know, my preparation to, you know, not miss a beat um, on the field. You know, Max, had, you know, had us running on all cylinders. So just to step into those shoes and, and, you know, it's a big, big shoes to fill. I wanted to make sure that, you know, we weren't missing anything. Uh, so from there, that point on, it was like any minute I can get in any extra film, I'm going to watch a ton. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I watched a ton of film all the time, but it was like an excessive amount of film that I watched as soon as I knew. Uh, I want to say, you know, one of the broadcasts said something about, you know, he didn't go to any off the field functions, which wasn't really true. Um, Musburger. I think Musburger yeah, said that. Musburger yeah. <laughs> said that. Um, I think he did say like the ones that were required to go to, but like we got to go to like Disneyland and I went to that. Um, we went to like the Lowry steakhouse. I went to that, but like anything where my buddies were like, Hey, you know, we're there for a week. So like, Hey, do you want to go out tonight? I was like, dude, I just can't afford to like right. go out tonight and then have something happen. Like this is my one chance. Right. I will, it, it'll make up for it if we win the game. And yeah. um, it was about the day before the game or two days before um, Mike Tressel, our position coach kind of said, Hey, Kyler, Darian, we're going to start the game with Kyler. Um, Darian, you're going to come in as well. And we're going to see from there kind of how, who's going to, who's playing better or who's going to, um, you know, stay into that position. Um, Darian was also stepping in on the third down and long package for Max. So he kind of had his hands full there. Um, I was kind of focusing more on the, you know, normal, you know, defensive package. Um, but yeah, so it was the day before they kind of said, here's exactly how we're going to play it. And then, you know, the nerves, I guess, of game day or, you know, 
heightened uh, from, you know, nor- a normal expectation of a game day. But I really did feel prepared. I think I was nervous in the sense of, you know, a lot of things. My first start, I had my whole family down there. We hadn't been in the Rose Bowl in 26 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of our teammates is back home, um, you know, for reasons, you know, we, we weren't even really sure of ourselves why. Um, and, and then, you know, the whole other thing of I wanted to perform well for, you know, Spartan Nation, for all the fans that are watching it, for all the people that said 26 years before that, like, oh, I'll go to the next one. And then they waited, you know, two and a half decades, like, okay, I'm not missing this. You know, I wanted it to be special for them. Like it was special for me. So I really think it did take that first series before I really nerves calmed down. And I think we were all firing on, you know, the cylinders together. Kyle, that's like so much pressure, man. What a story. I mean, you could just listen to him talk about it all day long, but I'm curious, you know, from a mental standpoint, there's, so much pressure put on you at that moment. Cause you know, we talked a lot about pressure on the show and with our, with our athletes that I work with and that we know, and we talk about pressure as three big things. You know, you're doing something that's really important to you. You don't know what the outcome is going to be and you're going to be judged by that outcome yeah. that you can't control. Right. And so I'm curious, how did you, like, once you knew you were starting, like when coach Tressel gave you the nod and says, okay, you're the guy. How did you feel? How did you manage that pressure? How did you keep those unwanted negative thoughts out of your mind? I think one big, big factor for me, and, you know, I hope everyone else has the same thing in their life is I had a really good supporting cast. Mm -hmm. I I, I say that from my teammates who believed in me, saw, you know, how hard I worked. um, And as soon as they knew I was starting said, listen, we know you can do this. Like, you know, you can do this. We trust you. We have complete confidence in you. That was one. The other one was my family who knew how hard I worked, how bad I wanted it. Um, and knew again, you know, I was capable of doing it. So I had this big supporting cast to really fall back on. Um, and to say, listen, regardless of what happens in that game, like we're going to love you regardless if we win or lose. Like, so I, I had that in my corner. Another thing was that year, the whole season was, was, was tough. I, you know, went into that season, my senior year thinking, I was on, you know, third and long the year before I had, you know, I played well, my role had increased. Um, and then that senior year, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to get a lot more playing time, maybe work in, you know, at certain stuff a little bit more. And I, and I didn't do that as much. And I was like super bummed out and like peeved off. You know, I was mad. Like I wanted to be playing just like any great athlete wants to, like they don't want to not be on, on the field. And I really had to sit back and like, we, we fill out these goal cards and I really had to put like thought into my, you know, three, four goals that week. And it was always, I need to play the role that my team needs me to play to get to where we, we as a team want to be. And so what that meant for me was I can be in this bad mood that I'm not the starter and not have a good senior year, or I can say, I'm going to play my special teams role and my third down stuff like it's my job and control the things I can control. So that way, when I have an opportunity, I'm ready. And uh, I think going back and having that moment of like, I need to, it's bigger than me kind of moment really helped me prepare for like the mental thing of when you do get called upon, like you're ready to do it. And I, I don't know which coaches, you know, which one of our coaches said it, but I know there's a quote out there and it was something along the lines of, 
if you stay ready, then you never have to get ready. Mm. And I really felt like that was true in the Rose Bowl of, I'm still going to prepare, like I'm going to be the starter and I'm going to control the things that I can control. And when I get the opportunity, I'm going to take the most of it. And, and uh, the mental nerves kind of went away. Like I said, after that first series, I don't, you know, I don't care how much you prepare, you're nervous for that type of game of on national TV. And you know, I've talked about it before. When I think of the Rose Bowl, you know, I think of Vince Young, um, you know, the Texas game, the USC game. And I'm like, the day of the game, I'm like, holy cow, like kids – that were my age when I was watching that USC game, we're going to be watching this game and thinking the exact same thing. Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Even to this day, I think of the Rolls Bowl, I think of us, and then I think the stand, or I think um, USC, and I think of uh, Texas. And it's yeah. just, I think, you know, the mental preparation um, is key all year long. It's not something that you can just, at least I can't just flip a switch. I can't right. say, Hey, you know, now I'm the guy, like now I need to prepare. I need to prepare as if I'm going to be the guy. So that way when the time comes, it's not a shock to the system. I'd be curious to know. And and a quote that I've always used, you know, my career a little bit different. I I talk about athletes or at least I did, uh, you know, I wasn't an athlete. Uh, I golf now, as you, as you know, but uh, when the time to prepare is patterned, when, when the time to prepare has ended, the time to perform has come. And that's something that really, kind of speaks to me and I got to believe uh, would, would certainly play into this situation. But I would wonder early in that game, you said you were really nervous uh, on that first series and you watch the NFL, you watch college football and say a cornerback goes out, one of their starting cornerbacks gets injured, he's off the field, they bring in a freshman or they bring in a rookie or something like that. And teams are automatically going to attack that guy, right? You're going to attack the new guy that comes in, right? Did you feel at all early in that game, Stanford, because they had a, you know some time to prepare for it, attacking you and wanting to test you and see, see what you were capable of. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think they attacked our, uh, I'll say, you know, quote unquote weakness, um, which was we were a run stopping defense and our run stopping middle linebacker is not in the game. (laughs) And I think that, you know, they had some success early running the ball. And so I think I'd be naive to say they didn't test us. I think they tested us and, you know, the credit to us is, you know, a bend, don't break mentality. And we took that as a, hey, I don't care if Max Bull is not here. Kyler, you're good enough for this not to be happening, regardless if it's, you know, my mistake, whoever's mistake it is. Um, and we took that one on the chin. And, you know, Gaffney's a good back. Stanford's a good team. Obviously, they made it to the Rose Bowl. They're no joke. Um, and, you know, they're a team a lot like us in the sense of, we're not going to hide what we're do. Like, you know, we're going to run the power eye right down your throat. And if you stop it, good for you. If you don't like, you know, we're going to, we're going to score. So I think they did definitely test us. Um, and like I said, I think it took that first series, you know, uh, for myself to, you know, get my nerves down. Um, and then, you know, pretty much after that first quarter, we start, we, we, we all started kind of clicking, um, you know, on the same cylinders and went into halftime saying like, no back runs on us. Like Gaffney did in that first series, like let's, let's get it together. And, you know, play the Spartan football we've been playing all year long. So, but yeah, I think they definitely tested us. Kyler, I want to ask you a question that relates to a lot of the kids that I work with and about their lack of patience. You know, um, I'm sure, you know, because obviously you were a great high school football player, got the opportunity to play at MSU. And so many kids these days, I I think, and kind of lack or just don't develop patience and perseverance. They, they want everything now. And, they, and they've grown up in this society where everything is right now. You know, you order something on Amazon, it's here the next day. You know, everything is like instantaneous gratification. You obviously had to 
hold your own, persevere, be patient, you know, during your first couple of years at MSU. I'm just curious, like, what would you say to some of these kids today about what you went through and what does it take to be prepared all those years for that one opportunity? You know, like, you know, it's definitely a mental struggle of like you, like we talked about earlier, the not knowing, um, mm-hmm. I never knew if I would get an opportunity to, to showcase what I could do. Um, I never knew if I'd get the opportunity to start in a game. And I think, you know, with today's society, like you said, everything is right at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to, you know, if I want to order something, I can order it to my front door and a two day shipping. <laughs> or um, next day. Right. Or next day shipping <laughs> where, where everything is so easily available mm-hmm. that to really kind of, you know, put the blinders on and, and look long-term of, here's a goal and what do I need to achieve that goal? I think something that helped for me was setting smaller goals along the way mm. um, and not, you know, getting, you know, getting off track of my long goal. Cause it's, it is, it's, it's far down there. You never know if it's even going to come to fruition. Um, and so it was one big thing that MSU did was they had to fill each week. We filled out these goal cards and I always tried to have a attainable goal for the week. If, even if it was um, my mentality, like, Hey, I want to come to, you know, work with a positive mentality this week because I know last week I was down on myself. I didn't play well because I was down. Um, I think those small goals. Um, but again, it, it went back to that preparation of I want to stay ready so that when the opportunity comes, I am ready. And, you know, I, I see it a lot on younger athletes as well. If I, you know, I, I stop by my high school's practice, um, you know, I go to high school basketball games, whatever it is. And I see a lot of these kids that, you know, are very talented kids um, and that sometimes maybe they don't pan out in college because they've been so used to being so good and so great that when they have to get somewhere and work because everyone else is a li- just as good as them, sometimes it's discouraging because they've always been so good. And uh, at least for myself, I had, you know, two siblings that were definitely better athletes than me. You know, my sister pound for pound, pound for pound is the best athlete in our family. You know, we'll all attest to that, um, that I was always working to get as good as them. And so I was always playing catch up. I felt like, so when I got to MSU, it was nothing, it was nothing new to come in as a walk on for me. Um, and have to grind my way from the bottom up to the top. So I just think it's, it's a mentality that I don't want to say you're born with, but I, I want to say that you, you need to develop early. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's really hard to develop it later on in life. If you've always been the best at it or you never yeah. had to work hard at it, it, it's tough to teach that when they're, you know, young men. You know, and I, just a quick follow-up, because um, I know Kyle's got questions too, is I, I see this a lot, the curse of talent. You know, these kids that they're so talented, yet they don't really learn the work ethic or the mental skills that are required to separate them from the pack. Like you said, when you get, when you get to that level, you're playing big 10 football, everybody there is good. What, you know, what's going to separate you is your ability to be prepared mentally and physically uh, to learn how to sustain your focus and block out distractions and recover from setbacks like you did and have those small victories that you can focus on every week. I mean, that's that Navy seal mentality is just get to the next thing. Yep. And that's how those guys get through the training. That's how they get through their missions. They just focus on controllable goals one step at a time. And that sounds like what you, the plan you, you, you use in your, your career. I'll test a lot of that to my, my wrestling background. Cause I got my butt kicked early in wrestling. <laughs> um, 
And you know, I remember being like five years old and my sister beating me. And I was like, oh my God, this is so discouraging. But it was those little battles. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's just, you know, like, like you said, those, you see these talents and sometimes you don't hear about them again because you know, maybe they fell off due to hard work. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, you know, part of that too was the culture of the program under D'Antonio. I mean, there, there were countless examples of guys like you that just developed and were told by other universities, other programs, you know, we, we'd really prefer you for this position. So, you know, we're not going to offer you. And then D'Antonio brings him in. Le'Veon Bell would be an example of one. You know, he was told he's going to be a linebacker. D'Antonio, no, no, no. You're going to tote the rock. And, and obviously it's worked out for him in a, a very big way. There was just that mentality, and I feel like that within the program, when you have so many guys that are just grinding and grinding and grinding, and eventually you see it pay off, like it did for you, like it did for others. I think it just breeds that that motivation and that that focus throughout their entire career. Yeah, I, I came in there when Blair White was just coming into his own, another walk-on who was mm-hmm. literally showing me that hey, just because you come in as a walk-on doesn't mean anything. The best player is going to play if that's you. Then they're going to find a way for you to get on the field. Players after me, you know, Kenny Willekes. Um, I mean, there's there's numerous of guys that have, have went that route. And to be able to see that firsthand was very um, encouraging for myself to, you know, have those small moral victories that I needed to know, like, I'm headed on the right path to doing great things like Blair White did. And the, the funny thing to me is, and I, I've made this analogy before, um, is – you know, like when Kevin Durant left uh, Oklahoma City, right? He had grinded for a few years. He got up 3-1 in the finals. They blew the, the series. They end up losing. He joins the Warriors, right? And, yeah, they ended up winning titles, and it was a great experience and all that. I, I contend if Durant had stayed in OKC and they fought through and they were able to win it, the championships would have meant so much more because he stayed. I, I think grinding through the four years, you getting to your senior year, you know, others – and getting to that point where you're making the final big play, and we're going to get to that big play yeah, uh, yeah, at, at the end of the Rose Bowl. <laughs> I, I th- but I think because of everything you went through, you didn't have it handed to you, and then all of a sudden you got an opportunity, it made that so much more satisfying once it actually happened because of what you what you did. Yeah, it's, um, you know, this is a off, off topic a little bit. When I was in high school, all the good wrestlers in our area from Goodrich all went to Davison. Uh, the Metcalfs, uh, you know, a bunch of these big names that went on and did some great things and they went and won state titles and won state titles and we didn't. And we had down years. And I remember thinking like, when I get in high school, I'm not going anywhere. We're going to, we're going to win a state title. And we did. And it was so much sweeter, you know, doing it with, you know, the upbringing where I came from, what I, you know, what I'd seen leave and happen. And it really rolled right into MSU. The same thing, D'Antonio recruited these, you know, so to say, salt of the earth guys, hardworking guys that were three-star recruits, two-star recruits, um, and molded them into what we needed to have to be successful. And Le'Veon Bell, Derquez Denard, Kirk Cousins, all these names that weren't huge recruits that went on and did great things, became these star players, um, and was more so my speed of person, someone who has been like, Hey, you're not the best of the best. Maybe we'll get a shot at a Mac school. Maybe not. And then you come in and prove these people wrong, these hardworking guys. So, you know, it was so much sweeter to be on this team that was, you know, built from the ground up. We didn't have people, you know, transferring in left and right. Like it was people that I came into school with that, you know, 23 of us, you know, graduated together. So it was, Mm -hmm. like you said, it makes it so much sweeter when that happens. 
No. We'd be remiss if we didn't hear about the big play. I'm sorry, Kyle jumped on you there, but please go ahead. No. Itching to hear it from the horse's <laughs> mouth. Like, give us the lead in and and how you what you talked about and what that instinct was for you to take off like you did. Yeah, so we, we went out originally in our normal base package where I was filling in for Max Bullock. But set the stage for us, like okay. time yeah. down, everything. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> fourth and one. It was just over a minute left, maybe in, like just under two minutes, I think, like a minute 30, um, about midfield. And at the time, I did not think this is you're going to be your last play. Like you stop him here, this is your last play. I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking – well, we got to stop them here so they don't go down the field and score. Like this, this is just a big moment. This is, you know, fourth and one, this, this is where you want to get them third and long. It's where you want to get them. We have them here. Let's finish the job. Um, we go out on the field in our normal base package. I'm in for Max Bulla. A timeout gets called. We come back to the sideline. I just feel like it's going on forever. I'm like, I just want to get in there. Like, you're up on this high, you start to slowly come down, timeouts, TV timeouts, water breaks, <laughs> no one gets hurt, whatever it is, you're like, I just want to get out there and keep playing. Um, and then when we're on the sideline, D'Antonio's there, um, defense coordinator's there, position coach is there, and they're like, hey, we're going out in our Spartan, Spartan package, which was our third down and short, our goal line package, fourth and one, whatever it was where I bumped back over to an outside backer that I had been playing for about three years. I, that was a position I'd been in. And then normally Max Bolo would be in there, but Darian Harris was filling in for him. So Darian Harris, who had never been in that position all year is on short yardage package, filling in for Max Bolo. So now we're going back out there. We call our play. And I remember running out there thinking like, they're just like MS. They're, they're just like us in the way of, they're not going to hide what they do. I've studied their short yardage package enough. I know, I know what they have, but I'm telling our DBs and safeties do not get duped on this play. Like do your job, cover your man. Like don't fall for this. And there's a rollout and someone's wide open. Like do your job, be smart. I remember running out there. Like, I feel like I can look back on like cameras and like see me like talking to the DB, like, don't you fall for this trick pass play. Like, if everyone does their job, we're going to be fine. That's what got us here. Um, and then right before the snap, I just, you know, Mike Tress always said, he's like, anticipate, don't guess. And which meant, like, don't assume they're doing this play and just willy-nilly run in there and try and tackle that guy. Anticipate the play and then slow it down and take your read, go through the, like, go through the transition and know for a fact before you – completely just shoot your gun. Mm -hmm. And I used to have a problem of like, I thought I saw a play and I would take off running and be like, Oh, it's not this. And I'd have to like throttle down and run back this other way. And, you know, trust always used to say like shuffle until it's time to run, which was really like slow down until you know for a fact where you need to go. And I just remember thinking that before the play the ball snaps and it was like, like literally like a memory log of, a play that we practice at in California where my buddy, Matt Rea was on the scout team offense as a fullback. They hand it to him. And I like jokingly leap over a guy that's like laying on the ground and like fit, like fit up a tackle. <laughs> and I just remember like it happens. I'm like, Oh crap. Like this is the play. Makaja hmm. has got a pile already built, you know, Shalit Calhoun's right there. The whole defense alignment is taking the legs out so that there's a clear shot to take. 
and I'm like, there's nowhere to step. Like, I hope I'm right here in <laughs> the ground. Like if you leave the ground and you're wrong, there's no change in direction in the air. You look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> We're all in. Like, I, like, I hope this is perfect. And it couldn't have been more perfect, at least in my mind of two people that are in on that tackle or two people that are filling in for Max Bulla um, and, and, and doing the best that they can to fill those shoes. Myself, Darian Harris, we had battled back and forth for this position, but in a competitive teammate way of regardless if you get the call or I get the call, I want to win this game. That's, you know, that's our, our biggest goal. And, you know, we were helping each other along the way. Myself, Darian, you know, I hit him smack on Darian's on my left side. Shalik Calhoun's on my right side. Like, just in, like it couldn't have been any better. And I remember hitting and just falling right down on top of the pile and like immediately looking over, like, where is this ref going to spot the ball? I know he didn't get it. As soon as, you know, they're blowing whistles, people are still always pushing back and forth. Like, right. And as soon as I see that ref's like foot, like a yard back, like I immediately, I like look back looking on the film now and like, I like lock my arm straight and like run to the sideline. And like, how fitting is it? The first person I see is Riley Bulla who like jumps up and I'm like holding Riley. And it wasn't even at that moment. Like I still don't even think like we just won the Rose bowl. I'm going to get the defense MVP. I don't even think that I'm just like, we stopped them. We did our job. Like, this is awesome. And it's about the time Maxwell goes out there and I think Maxwell takes like the last knee or two. I'm like, they're running the greatest play in football, which is when the quarterback just gets to kneel down and we're going to win the game because of it. And they, you know, a bunch of my teammates are coming up to me and like slap me on the helmet, like tell me good job. And I still don't even think like, I'm not the defense MVP. I'm not even thinking about that award. I'm just like, we, we won the Rose bowl. This is awesome. Hmm. I'm doing like some local media interviewers are like building the stage. We're out in the middle We're getting roses or handing hats out. I'm with my buddy, Ty Hamilton, my other roommate, Connor Cruz and security like taps me like, Hey, you got to get up on stage. And I'm like, no, like I'm, I, I didn't go up on stage at the big 10. Like I'm good. Like get some of the other guys. And they're like, no, they need you on stage. And I'm like, they don't need, like, we're not all going to fit on there. They don't need me. And they're like, you're the defense MVP. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I, I like, what? Like, uh, are amazing. you sure? And I remember like the reporters being like, you got to get up there, go up there, go up there. Um, and just being in like awe, like, yeah, I probably was at this peak of a high for, you know, 48 hours. Like <laughs> even when we landed back in Lansing the next night, like there's MSU fans in the airport, like congratulating us as we get home. Um, you know, a complete 180 of you're doing interviews here, you're signing autographs there. Um, you know, people are reaching out to you on social media, your following's growing that it was all so much and like, so like stimulating. Uh, but again, it was something that as a young kid, you always want, you know, I, I remember my buddies and I like in high school filling out our footballs that we would stick to the wall like on homecoming and like signing our autograph, like, Oh, one day that's going to be worth something like joking around. <laughs> and then what here an amazing I am story. Signings. <laughs> and so it, it was just so surreal and, um, and awesome that, you know, that words really can't put it into, you know, I can't put it into words, you know, I'm still riding that high today and I think I'll ride that high forever. Absolutely. Have you, do you think, I mean, and, and we're running short on time here, we could probably talk to you for about an hour, but um, it's, it'll be seven years come January 1st. Do, do you think you've even fully grasped 
the, how much that meant to so many people and like what, what it's been like for you since that time? I think I'll, I'll always be reminded of, you know, as soon as I think like, you know, it was, you know, Mike and I always joke about like, Hey man, you made one play, which is, isn't <laughs> wrong. I made one, one play. Like that's, that's the play. Um, but I really like get taken back to how big it is when I hear someone say, Hey man, like you made mine and my father's like year, like life Our you know, our goal was to go to that game and watch MSU play. We didn't go back in the seventies. We missed it. And like to go do that and like kind of step back and think like, this is bigger than just MSU's football team or bigger than just my family. You know, it, it touches a lot of people, people that didn't go to MSU, just Michigan state fans um, in general, and then their families. And you think like how many people I've reached and, you know, how many, how many people have been happy and, you know, followed MSU and probably know more stats than I do about that season. <laughs> that, um, just to know like how, how much happiness and joy that brings their life um, just makes it all worth it. Cause obviously it made me happy because you know, I'm the one that's in on the play, but it makes me even happier to know, like, you know, it's, it's affected and touched so many more people. And it always makes me feel good knowing that. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, fantastic. Uh, Kyla, we really appreciate you. Uh, I'm sure you haven't told that story very often, you know, um, but <laughs> as long as you guys want to hear it, I'll tell it again. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. No, that, that was, uh, that was fantastic. We, uh, I, I think I speak for doc as well. We really appreciate you joining us uh, and being honest on with us here on the uh, rising champions podcast. Well, I appreciate you guys having me anytime. Thanks, Kyler. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.